girls, whether you're running errands and burning through your to-do list or sitting with a cup of tea while you listen, we are glad you're hanging with us at Sisterhood Today on the Better Together podcast. This is a space to find community and a place to belong. We're a community of women who want to encourage and empower you for all the things, for wifing, mothering, daughtering, sistering, friending, for just being. We want to help you be the best you that you can be in Him. Thank you for joining us for our Advent series. We're back this week. We're talking about Mary as we wander and linger through the Christmas story and look at what it means to be a world changer. And so this week, we're going to look through the eyes of Mary and a little bit through the eyes of Joseph. So let's jump into the Christmas story and read it just a bit. Even though you've heard this probably a hundred times Please take the time to just listen intently and listen thoroughly. God's going to show us some cool things today. In the sixth month, this is Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month for the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, and the Lord's servant, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leapt within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he would said. And so if you go on and read the rest of that, Mary gives praises unto God. And in verse 56, it says, Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then went back to her own home. So we're going to stop there in Luke chapter 1 and jump over to Luke chapter 2 to the birth of Jesus. At that time, the Roman emperor, Augustus, decreed a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census, and because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first son, child, a son. 
She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no room in the inn. And we're going to skip over and read uh, Matthew's version of the Christmas story because it has more to do with Joseph than it does with Mary. And it says in verse 18 of Matthew 1, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message and his word through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born and Joseph named him Jesus. And so we're going to look at this world-changing Advent uh, path that we're on through the eyes of Mary. And I want us to remember this throughout the whole podcast today, that God can do things that your mind cannot fathom. So as you're sitting and listening to this with your cup of coffee, or whether you're driving in your car, or doing dishes, or whatever it is that you're doing, I want you to put a pin in that thought and think it over and over and over again. God can do things that your mind can't fathom. And we just read a lot of scriptures, and we're going to go back and, and look at a couple of those in a little bit more detail. But verse 38, um, Mary, in the, in the version that I read, the NLT, said, I am the Lord's servant. Let it happen unto me as you have said. But in the Phillips translation, I love how the Phillips translation puts it. Mary replied to the angel, I belong to the Lord, body and soul. And so that's what it means to be the Lord's servant. I belong to the Lord, body and soul. So Mary and Joseph were engaged. And that's not like today's engagement. In today's world, when you're engaged, uh, you get an engagement ring and you're promised to each other. And then you begin to plan the wedding. You begin to be plan the marriage, and that's all part of that marriage ritual that we have. But if you're going to break off an engagement, you don't have to go to the courts to do that. There's nothing legal about that. There's nothing legally binding about that. You could you just give the ring back and you say, I changed my mind. But in the day of Joseph and Mary, engagement was part of the marriage ritual. When you got engaged, you were already married, and to break off the engagement required a divorce. It was a legally binding thing. You you were legally bound to each other at that point, although there was no intimacy in the sexual aspect of things until after the the process of that. That's the beginning of it, and then there was the process of it, and then you had the marriage ceremony, and then you were intimate with each other. So Mary and Joseph were just engaged, so she was still a virgin, um, but Joseph thought to break it off. He was considering breaking it off when the when the angel appeared to him and it said he was a good man and he didn't want to disgrace her. He loved her. But imagine being 
Mary. Let's imagine being Mary. We're going to put ourselves in the mindset of Mary today because we want to look at at being a world changer and look at what it takes through the eyes of Mary. And uh, tradition says that they would go through that engagement process about the age of 13. So at the time the angel appears to Mary, she was 13 years old. 13 years old. The Lord picked a 13-year-old to bear the Son of God, to mother him, to to raise him. <laughs> 13 years old. Now, 13-year-olds back then were different than 13-year-olds today, probably a little more mature. However, 13, it's still pretty young. She had an angelic visitation. That was not the norm. That never happened to her before, and it probably never happened to her after that. We don't hear anything about her having any kind of angelic visitation again after that. Joseph had some dreams to help protect the family, but Mary had this angelic visitation. And he said some pretty wild things to her that probably made her mind go tilt. How to the point where she asked the angel, how is this going to happen? Like, how in the world can this even happen? I'm a virgin. And what she was basically saying was, help me understand this. Help me wrap my mind around this because this has never happened before. What you are saying to me is something so wild and crazy. It has never happened before. I'm still a virgin. So I, I, like, how did she process that? Did she have to process that before she gave her yes? Like, we read that whole section of scripture in two minutes or less, but the Bible doesn't say how long it took her to give her yes. And so we're just going to imagine maybe a little bit of the quick thought process that happened in Mary before she said yes. Like, what ran through her mind? Because this had never been a thing before. And she's engaged to be married. So, like, what is Joseph going to think about this? No one is going to believe me. How do I explain this to my parents? Oh, hey, I had an angelic visitation and guess what? I'm pregnant. Like who says that? Nobody had ever said that. How is she going to explain this to Joseph? Are they going to believe me? What's going to happen to me because of this? Because nobody's going to believe this. Couldn't you have appeared to Joseph and me at the same time so at least we were hearing the same thing at the same time so that we could have faith united around this together? Couldn't you have done that? Like, how is this going to happen? What did you say? The Holy Spirit is going to come upon me. The power of the Most High is going to overshadow me. Well, that makes perfect sense. Like, that makes no sense at all. That had to have made no sense to her mind. I'm sure she heard what the angel said, but she probably didn't understand what the angel meant. Would you have? If if the Holy Spirit, or if the angel said to you, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and, and the power of the Most High is going to overshadow you, and that's how you're going to become pregnant with the Son of God? What? And you call this favor? I'm going to be shunned. Nobody's going to believe this. My girlfriends won't be able to talk to me anymore. I'll be the disgrace of my parents and the disgrace of this community. And you call that favor? I heard what you said, but I don't think I fully understand what you mean. But I know that this is going to cost me something. But you said no word of God can fail. And you reminded me that my relative Elizabeth was who believed for a baby and wanted a baby all those years, is finally pregnant. And Zechariah had an angelic visitation about this. And could this really be something? Could this really be something? 
I belong to the Lord, body and soul. Let it be unto me according to your word. Mary's yes cost her something, but she trusted him enough to say yes, even when it was going to cost her something. She didn't talk to her Joseph or to her parents first. She didn't talk to her girlfriends first. She didn't seek counsel first. She said yes to God. She had to believe that he, in her yes, and he was big enough to take care of all of those things that were concerning her and giving her pause and causing her to process and making her wonder. And even in the midst of not understanding, she trusted in him that he was big enough to take care of all the details and take care of her at the same time. And she gave her fully surrendered yes. And through the eyes of Mary, we want to see that to be a world changer, you cannot be successfully be a world changer without a fully surrendered yes, even if it costs you everything, even if you don't understand. She didn't go to her friends. She went to Elizabeth. Once she gave her yes, She doesn't say she ran to her friends. It doesn't even say she went to her parents. It says she went to Elizabeth. She went to the other one, the only other person she knew who was birthing something miraculous for God. She went to the one who was well stricken in years. And I love what the baby said, or what the Bible says about what happened when she went to Elizabeth. But in our culture, the mingling of the generations is less and less common especially in the church. The young people stick to themselves. The old people hang with themselves. And we have groups divided into these things where we're all separated, but we all, which is necessary at times. And, but also we need times and moments and seasons when we're all together, when we're learning and the, from the older teaching the younger and the younger teaching the older. We need these intentional times of the generations being together. And we see this in the birth of Christ. We see this in the first coming of Christ, that it took all the generations mixed together to bring about that first coming of Christ. And I love that Mary didn't go to her peers. I love that she didn't even go to just her mother. She went intentionally to Elizabeth, to the one the Bible calls the well-stricken in years, the one who was decades older than her, and she received from her. She received encouragement. She received wisdom. She received strength. In essence, when Elizabeth was saying, you're believed this, you're blessed. I believe that what happened in you is born of God. And I'm honored that the mother of my Lord is here. In essence, what Elizabeth was saying to Mary is, I believe in you. I believe in you. I believe in what God's birthed in you. And I believe that everything that God has said to you is going to come to pass. And I'm honored that you would come to me and trust me with what God has conceived in you. There's still a process to happen. There's still an incubation that needs to happen. There were still nine months of an incubation of the Son of God and what God birthed in her on the inside of her to come out. But she said from the beginning, I believe you. I'm going to be your biggest cheerleader. I'm going to be your biggest fan. And that's the older generation speaking and honoring what God birthed in the younger generation. But Mary also gave. Elizabeth received something from Mary. Because when Mary came in 
the baby that was inside Elizabeth leapt in her womb and Elizabeth herself was filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what we read. The baby leapt in her womb. So what what con- what God conceived on the inside of Mary, that God thing that he trusted her to birth, and we're going to transfer this over into our language because we're not birthing the actual son of God, but God has conceived visions and dreams and desires on the inside of us of how we can change our world for God at every age. Last week we said you're not too old to conceive something new for God and give birth to something for God because Elizabeth didn't miscarry. Mary didn't miscarry. They let that incubate and they stirred over that and they pondered over that and they prayed over that and they allowed what was on the inside of them to grow to full birthing maturity and then they give birth to it and then they took care of it. You're never too old to do that. You're never too young to do that. But it took the mixing of the, we see the mixing of the generations together here. Mary trusted Elizabeth to share what God conceived on the inside of her, and Elizabeth shared Mary on. But Elizabeth trusted what was on the inside of Mary and honored what God conceived in her, and it refired Elizabeth. The baby that was in her leapt, and she received a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit, and she allowed what was the youth vitality and what was born on the inside of the younger generation to refire what was on the inside of hers. And I want to take note of these generations mixing together. They received from one another. There was no jealousy. There was no competition. There was no comparison between the two. They cheered each other on and they imparted to each other what was their part to give and they worked together and then what they birthed worked together. Because Elizabeth birthed the forerunner who was going to prepare the way for Messiah and Mary birthed the Messiah and they worked together. Jesus went to John and was baptized. But John said to Jesus, I have need of you. They they worked together. There's no need for competition in the body. And if you're young and afraid that the older generation is just going to laugh at what God has put on the inside of you, find someone who's birthing someone for God because they will not laugh at you. They will encourage you. They will cheer you on. Mary didn't just share that with just anybody in the village. She went to someone who was already birthing someone or already birthing something for God. And there's a community of sisters here that are full of vision and full of God who want to encourage you and cheer you on with what God has put on the inside of you. But Mary also submitted herself to the wisdom of Elizabeth. She received from her. She stayed with her for three months and allowed the older to speak into the life of the younger. We need that. We need that in the church today. We need that in our sisterhood today. And it's still necessary today. The wisdom can be passed down if the younger generation is humble enough to receive it. And fire and fresh vision and fresh life can be passed up if the well-strickens are humble enough to receive it. Mary changed her world through her young, humble yes. And that ignited something on the inside of Elizabeth and brought a piece to that puzzle that was necessary 
John was filled with the Holy Ghost as a baby. Elizabeth was filled. They needed that to raise him and for John to be raised up. That was a piece that God needed to give them, and he brought it through that young generation. We are not despising any generation in the church of God today. And then they both went on and raised their babies, and they their babies worked together. I love that. We're going to look at that later in the Advent series and on into next year. But when we skipped over to chapter 2, verse 7, I love the verse, and it's so understated almost, without fanfare and without anything spectacular and without any fancy words. It says, she gave birth to her first child, a son. And those are nine words, nine very unspectacular words that changed everything forever. And and it describes perfectly the birth of Jesus because... In contrast to the birth of John, where Elizabeth was surrounded, we saw last week, by family and by friends who were celebrating with her. There was none of that for Mary. There was no fanfare. There was no family, as was the custom, to surround her and help her. And there was no one to call. There was no one to share this amazing, happy occasion with her. No one to call to celebrate the good news that the baby was born healthy. She was in this quiet, lonely, isolated, hidden space when those nine words happened, that she gave birth to her first child, a son. And we're going to look at the shepherds next week, but we want to bring in just a segment of it this week. Because I just want to say, even though there was no one for them to, to naturally share this with and to share the good news The father was watching from heaven, and he couldn't contain his joy. And he looked for those who were alert and awake in that hour. And he found the shepherds in the field, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And he said, I can tell them. And the father was watching from heaven. He couldn't contain his joy, and he sent an angel to announce to the ones that were awake and alert at that hour My son was born. It was the most beautiful, awe-inspiring birth announcement ever. The most glorious birth announcement ever. And we're going to pick up here next week and see the shepherd's part in changing the world. But what I want to say is this. I want us to remember, if you're feeling alone and hidden and forgotten, God sees you. We see you. We pray for you. You are not alone. God is watching. And maybe this season, this Christmas season, or this season of life that others are celebrating is the loneliest time of the year for you because of loss, or waiting for something that you feel you'll never have. You haven't lost a spouse. You just haven't yet gotten a spouse. You haven't lost someone. You just have been alone your whole life. Everyone else around you is celebrating you and has all of these things in this season and you're off in a lonely secret space. Maybe not even physically. Physically you're around people, but in your soul you're in a dry and hidden and lonely and secret space and you feel like no one sees you. Just like Mary and Joseph were that night. But I want to encourage you. Sisterhood wants to encourage you. We want you to know you are not alone. 
God is watching and we are here with you. We are for you. And I just want to encourage you, reach out. Don't sit in that dark and lonely space by yourself. Reach out. Reach out for community. Reach out to church community. Reach out to us at Sisterhood. You don't have to be alone. God has an Elizabeth for you. Or He has a Mary for you. Or in our case, He has a community of women who would love to embrace you if you'll take that step towards us in community. God can do things your mind can't fathom. But He needs your surrender, Jess. He needs your, I belong to the Lord, body and soul. I belong to you even though it's going to cost me. What does that look like for you? What does that look like for me? What is he asking you to say yes to? How is he asking you to lay down your life? What is he asking of you that requires a fully surrendered yes, even though you don't understand? even though you don't comprehend the details, even though you can't see the end from the beginning. Just remember that being a world changer will cost us something. It's going to cost us something. And we may experience lonely hidden spaces and seasons in that journey, just like Mary and Joseph did the night that Jesus was born. But God is with us. He sees us. And not one word of God will fail. Everything he promised will come to pass with your surrendered yes, and it will change the world. It doesn't have to be spectacular. Other people might not know it in the moment that it happens. It might be nine unspectacular words that are spoken about that moment in time, just that, oh, it came to pass. That's all it takes. But I want us to remember today we're not alone. You're not alone. God watches you. God sees you. We're with you. And I just want to pray for us all today. So Father, help us be like Mary, willing to give our surrendered yes, no matter what it costs us. And I ask you to be with us in the lonely, uncelebrated moments and in the dark, hidden spaces. Bring us each a Mary or an Elizabeth to encourage us and refire us in our journey and help us to be that to someone else today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we will see you back here next week when we continue our series as we look at the shepherds. Don't forget, we're better together. Hey, thanks for hanging out with us today on the Sisterhood Podcast. Remember, we're all about community here. We weren't meant to do this life alone, so connect Connect with some girlfriends over coffee or call someone to catch up today. Connect with us on social media at sisterhood.river or join us at one of our gatherings or outings. You are not alone. You have a community of women right here praying for you this week. May God saturate your day with His goodness, His joy, and His love. And don't forget, we are better together.